Well, a woman was visiting some friends who <clears throat> lived on a farm, and she noticed a pig limping around in the backyard with only three legs. And she asked the farmer, what happened to the pig? The farmer said, oh, Betsy is a wonderful pig. One night, the house caught on fire, and she oinked so loud, she woke us up, and we got the fire truck in time to save the house. The woman said, that's really something. The farmer continued, that's not all. One day, my youngest child fell into the pond, and Betsy oinked so loud that we were able to get there in time to save her. The woman said, that's really amazing, but I still don't understand why the pig only has three legs. The farmer said, well, when you have a pig that special, you don't want to eat him all at once. <laughs> Gratitude didn't run very deep for the three-legged pig. So how is your level of gratitude today? Is everybody ready for Thanksgiving? I can hardly wait to gather with family and celebrate the goodness of God by enjoying some of the best food this side of heaven. I can hardly wait to celebrate the abundance that God has given us, to celebrate the harvest, as it were. And that's all very biblical, by the way, even to feast over the exceedingly abundant blessings of God, which He has indeed lavished upon us. Yes, the Bible gives us plenty of precedent to know that God would want us to celebrate the bounty of each year, even as the original people of God were commanded to do through various feasts and celebrations. Thanksgiving. What a great and godly idea. But what is Thanksgiving? Well, all you have to do is turn the word around to know. Thanksgiving is giving thanks. That's what the holiday is all about. We have set aside a day to give thanks. But there's still an all-important question and unanswered within that word, one that some people never answer. The question is this, in Thanksgiving, who should we thank? See, we've got ourselves a holiday, the purpose of which is the giving of thanks, but who should we give it to? Wouldn't this be an important question to answer if we're going to celebrate the holiday in any kind of significant way? I would think so. I'm curious, where I'm from, it's very common, but let's see how it is out here on the frontier. How many of you have a tradition of sharing something that you're thankful for before or after your Thanksgiving meal? It's, it's, there's no right or wrong answer. I just say, okay, a lot of people. Well, that's good. Back in the day, you would, um, you would see this on many television shows in the fall, you know. I distinctly remember a scene on the Cosby show. That's how old I am. Um, I know, it's really, it's really sad, but um, in other shows, you would see that. You'd see these families sitting around and uh, sharing what they're thankful for before or after the meal. But did you ever notice that on TV, most of the time, they never said who they were thankful to? Oh, sure, folks go around the table, tell what they're thankful for, but who do they thank? Nobody, generally. But as I've said, Thanksgiving is giving thanks. And you can't give thanks to nobody, can you? What good does it do to say thank you 
and not be addressing your words to anyone at all. What's the point of saying I'm thankful for this or that if I don't even know who to thank? I'd just like to take a moment to say thanks to nobody in particular. I want to pause and thank good fortune. Or worse, I just want to thank myself for all of the things I've earned for myself. Thank you, self. Thank you, chance. Thank you, nobody. Thank you, Mr. Turkey, for giving your life so that I would have turkey day and not tofu day. So glad we could set aside a day just for you, oh glorious turkey. This doesn't even make any sense, does it? By definition, thanks must be given to a person. And yet many of us can come to this time of year, maybe even take time to think about what we're thankful for, but never actually give thanks to anyone in particular. This can even happen to Christians if we're not careful. And I bet sometimes the season passes when you and I never actually thank God for anything. Can you be vaguely thankful for stuff but never actually thank God? Yes, absolutely. But the Bible says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. By the way, if you come in today wanting what I usually do, an expository sermon, hey, you know, count the last six years worth. Today's a topical sermon. Get over it, okay? We're not going deep into any particular scripture today. You know, that's not what we normally do. But today I just want to talk about Thanksgiving. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. One of the most relevant biblical names for God is provider. Some of you know the song's been going around. Jireh, you are enough, right? You know that song? You heard that song? No, not at all. Never mind. Don't do that one, Connor. It's a good one. It means provider. Yahweh Jireh or Jehovah Jireh. Every single good thing we have is a gift from God. He's the one who provides. He is the one who deserves our thanks. Yahweh, Jireh, God must be the object of our thanksgiving because everything good finds its origin in Him. Revelation 4.11 reminds us that if it were not for God, we would never have even existed. And yet you won't hear any of this on television. You probably won't read about thanking God in a newspaper or magazine article about the holiday. You won't hear about uh, thanking God at the grocery store when you buy your turkey. You're not likely to hear about thanking God from government. And above all, your children certainly won't learn who the object of Thanksgiving is at public school. That is, unless they happen to have a very special and very gutsy teacher. But you know, even when I was young, the system had already made Thanksgiving about Native Americans and pilgrims having turkey together. And these days, I think maybe they mostly cut that out too, so now it's absolutely about nothing whatsoever. Turkey Day, some call it. How meaningful. 
We're told that making the holiday about thanking God goes against the idea of separation of church and state. To think that we might actually teach children or anyone else in a public forum that Thanksgiving is about giving thanks to God. Because, you know, that would be so horribly wrong, offensive, and un-American. Ask random kids what Thanksgiving's all about. And nine out of ten of them will tell you something about turkeys. This is what we're teaching children in this society. Most adults will mention feasting and football, right? Maybe family gets thrown in there, but that's as far as it goes. Interestingly, though, it is not as if most children and adults were atheists. No, our spiritual enemy hasn't tried to win from that angle because he is a devious old serpent, and so what he's done is to simply remove God from the holiday until now. The last thing many people think to do when it comes to thanksgiving is to actually thank God. But did you know that the historical thanksgiving holiday in this country was all about giving thanks to God? That's right. The holiday of Thanksgiving in these United States was established by the federal government for the express purpose of giving thanks to God. They didn't leave it for people to thank whomever they wanted or just be thankful to nobody. But our nation's leaders expressly called for the people of this nation to thank God on the Thanksgiving holiday. Really? Yes. Really. It all started back when we still had freedom of religion. You know, instead of what is more and more like freedom from religion, that is the eradication of religious expression from anywhere other than homes and churches, an idea that is a major tenet of communism. You do know that, right? Communist countries have mostly been fine with religion kept in bottles. The issue was always the public square, but America was different until recently. Don't believe me? Well, let me read to you part of the first proclamation ever made about Thanksgiving in this country. This was proclaimed by the Continental Congress of the United States regarding the establishment of Thanksgiving as a national holiday on November 1, 1777. Congress made the following proclamation. For as much as it is the indispensable duty of all men to adore the superintendent providence of Almighty God, to acknowledge with gratitude their obligation to Him for benefits received, and to implore such further blessings as they stand in need of. It is therefore recommended to the legislative and executive powers of these United States. I think I just went British. I'm going to stop. <laughs> to set apart... It was fun for a moment. Thursday, the 18th day of December next, for the solemn thanksgiving and praise that at one time and with one voice the good people may express themselves to the service of their divine benefactor. That was not nearly the last such proclamation by our federal government. The next one came on October 11, 1782, just five years later. I'd like to read a part of this proclamation from Congress as well. It being the indispensable duty of all nations not only to offer up their supplications to Almighty God, the giver of all good, for His gracious assistance in a time of distress, 
but also in a solemn and public manner to give him praise for his goodness in general. Therefore, the United States and Congress assembled, taking into their consideration the many instances of divine goodness to these states, do hereby recommend to the inhabitants of these states in general to observe Thursday, the 28th day of November next, as a day of solemn thanksgiving to God for all His mercies. Believe it or not, there was a time when such was the wording of an official statement put out by our government addressed to the public. That's how far we've descended. Presidents also made such statements. George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, among others, made similar Thanksgiving proclamations, clearly calling for thanks to be given to none other than Almighty God. The historical Thanksgiving in this country is a day set aside to thank God. That's why most of you get the day off from work, to thank God, because our founding fathers thought that might be a pretty good idea. But maybe your problem isn't in understanding what the holiday was designed to be. Some of you, even who may be cheering this history lesson, have not been all that great about actually thanking God at Thanksgiving. Maybe you just need a reminder of the point, or maybe you simply aren't quite sure specifically what to thank God for when it comes right down to it. Maybe some of you have had a rough year. Maybe you don't feel all that blessed. Or maybe you simply need a healthy reminder because you aren't good at thinking of stuff. (laughs) Well, today I want to share with you some things that I believe every single one of us in this room can thank God for. Maybe this will even give you something to say when it's your turn on Thursday, if you have that tradition. Of course, you won't want to preach the entire sermon, and the food will definitely get cold. First of all, number one, thank God for creation. Most of you know about my love for creation. And I know that not everybody and not everybody is going to have the passion that I do for beautiful trees or mountains or wildlife, for instance. My wife barely turns her head when I tell her to look out the car window these days. But don't hold it against her because it happens about every two minutes or so. I'm more taken up with the wonders of creation than some of you. But regardless, I think that everyone can learn to find thankfulness in their heart for the beautiful world around us. One thing great about being thankful for creation is that it isn't based on circumstances. Creation doesn't come and go, but continually surrounds us. We always have the stars, and we always have the trees, and the sky, and the incredible diversity of life. Sunshine, even, is always above the clouds. If you can learn to carry around a thankfulness for God's creation, you can learn to have an attitude of gratitude all the time because we always have creation. Driving down the road, walking past the flowers at your front door, stepping out on the back porch at night, always thankful because creation is always there for us. Still, remember the point here, thank God. It's one thing to notice and to wonder and to sort of be generally thankful, it's another thing to actually thank God. I will tell you that I practice what I'm preaching on this one. Uh, I, I've learned to say the words. The sun pops, off, pops, out, pops out on a November day, and I literally say out loud, thank you, Jesus. I hook into a solid bass, and I say the words. You should try it sometime. Notice the foliage. 
and say out loud, thank you, Lord, for letting me see those beautiful natural colors today. God made an awesome place for us to live, didn't he? Now, it was even better before sin entered the world and the universe came under subjection to decay, but a powerful remnant of beauty remains. And we can look forward to God's promise of complete restoration when Jesus returns, but until then, even fallen creation is wondrous enough for us to thank God every single day of life. November brings a season of hunting for some of us. And a few years ago, when I was deer hunting with some friends, one of the military guys brought along some NVGs for us to try out at camp. NVGs are, of course, night vision goggles. You know, they have to abbreviate everything in the military. It's just, that's just what you do. So anyway, I strapped those babies on and went off through the woods by myself without a gun, of course. But what an incredible experience it was. I'll never forget it. I went walking at about 9 p.m. at night, and the skies were clear. Once I got away from camp where there was no artificial light, I stopped for a while and looked up at the sky. Now, you have to understand that with these NVGs on, I could basically see as if it were the middle of the day. I watched a rabbit that didn't know I was there, and I could see it better than I could have in daylight. So it makes sense that when I finally looked up at the stars, I literally gasped. It took my breath away. Now, if you've never seen the stars away from the city, away from highways, somewhere out in the middle of a field where there are no man-made lights, then you've never seen the stars. I mean, really, you've never seen them. I think it's possible there's someone in this room that's never experienced that, and I'm telling you, you do not know what you're missing. I encourage you to plan a trip to the country when the sky is going to be clear, get permission from a farmer, go out into the middle of a field, lay down on your back, and look up at the stars. I promise that whether you are a believer or not, you'll find this to be quite a spiritual experience. You might even find faith in that very moment if you have not already. So here I was, out in a field in the middle of thousands of acres of cropland, and looking up at the stars was amazing enough without night vision. But then I looked up with those goggles on, and I saw more stars than I ever imagined existed. It was as if there were no space between stars, like pointillism in the sky, with stars used as the paint. In all my 53 years, I have never seen anything so amazing in creation. Over a thousand years before telescopes, the Bible tells us, told us that the stars were innumerable, innumerable. Science at one point thought they had proven that wrong, but now they have admitted again that the number of stars is in fact impossible to calculate. That night at Deer Camp, the word innumerable took on new meaning for me. It was truly breathtaking. Romans chapter 1 tells us that the beauty and wonder of creation is such an obvious testimony to the power of the Creator that people who refuse to believe in God are completely without excuse, even if they've never had anyone tell them about Him. The truth of God is self-evident, period. What an incredibly beautiful, vibrant, audacious, and magnificent creation God has given us to live in, awesome in the truest sense of the Word. And I say with the psalmist, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. 
Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth on the water. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights, the sun to rule the day, and the moon and stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Have you ever thought about some of the words of the Bible and how long ago they were written, by the way? Over 3,000 years ago, those words were written. Thank God for creation. Secondly, thank God for creature comforts. We are only thanking God for things that start with the letter C today. I had to find some way to limit this sermon. Thank God for creature comforts, for blessings material gifts, houses and cars and toys and computers and smartphones and, well, I guess, smartphones, washing machines and dishwashers and microwave ovens and four-wheelers and lawnmowers and DVD players and stereo systems and air conditioning and heaters and campers and pets and clothes and refrigerators and carpeting and indoor plumbing and hot water and maintenance-free siding and furniture and wood flooring and beds and bathtubs and electric shavers and jewelry and air compressors and power tools and sports equipment and cordless everything and maybe even a partridge in a pear tree. In America, we live and the most materialistic, uh, more materialistically blessed, we're materialistic too, but we're the most materialistically blessed culture on this planet during the most materialistic era of human history. We have ordered our entire lives around stuff. But listen to what one of the richest men in all of history had to say about stuff, King Solomon from over 3,000 years ago. I said to myself, come now, Let's give pleasure a try. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I had everything a man could desire. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. It has been said that the American middle class lives better than the kings of the Middle Ages. And like many of them, we can never get enough. Many times, the more we have, the less thankful we become. Isn't that interesting? I saw a store the other day that cracked me up. I doubt anyone else will think this is as funny as I do. But the more I thought about it, the more I found myself laughing. The name of the store, hopefully none of you manages one of these or owns one, but maybe you'll just be thankful for the advertising. I don't know. The name of the store was Stuff and More. Stuff and More. Hey, folks, we have stuff and more. Now, I would have thought the word stuff pretty much covered everything. You can buy in a store, but apparently not. I also thought about this store name phonetically, and it comes out stuff in more, which is pretty much what all of us are doing anytime we walk into a store at this point. Is that true or is that true? We just keep stuffing in more. We adults often need to learn the same lessons as our children, don't we? 
Let me make a recommendation to parents at this point, or actually to everyone. Go online and find the old VeggieTale video called, you already know what I'm going to say, some of you, Madam Blueberry. Madam Blueberry, watch it with your family as part of your Thanksgiving celebration. Just an idea. There's a message there that we all need to hear at Thanksgiving. The point of Madam Blueberry is basically that more thankfulness is better than more stuff. Especially, uh, even though it's just, um, excuse me, even to practice thankfulness for the stuff that you have is also a message in that. Even though it's just stuff to be thankful for. After all, there's nothing inherently wrong with stuff. Especially if you regularly thank God for it. So this Thanksgiving, give thanks to God for the creature comforts that He's blessed all of us so abundantly with. Don't compare with others. Don't think about the stuff you still want to have. Thank Him for what you have. Pretty simple. When we can thank God for creation. We can thank God for creature comforts. And thirdly, thank God for community. Those of us who have personally trusted in Christ as our Savior and thereby come into the family of God known as the church have two very important communities or families to be thankful for, our physical families and our spiritual families. Sometimes I call it our first birth families and our second birth families. First of all, we should thank God for our physical family, a very important kind of community to have. Thank you, God, for this kind of community. It usually comes naturally to us. Uh, for most people, if you have children, you probably don't have any trouble thanking God for them most of the time. If you have grandchildren, you can pretty much thank God for them all the time because you're not responsible for their behavior, which is the best thing ever. Now, what about your spouse if you're married? Have you thanked God for him or her lately? Let me say this. Your husband or your wife must be first. If any other family member is coming in between in any way, that's a problem for you, for your spouse, and for the family member. You're only married to one person. You are only one flesh with one person. The Bible even talks about leaving your father and mother to go off, you know, and that, those kind of things. So that's coming, parents of young children. You're not gonna be, they're not going to be there forever in the same way like your husband or wife is. That's the way God designed it. They're going to have to go off and be with their husband or wife probably. Uh, you're only one flesh with one person. Your life until death parts you is meant to be lived with that one person. So again, you probably thank God for your children and grandchildren, supernatural, but do you thank God for your spouse? You will come to value most what you thank God for most. Be intentional. Regardless of current feelings, thank God for your husband or wife. I don't know why, but I feel led to say this today. One of the best ways to guard against ever getting to the point of adultery or divorce is to thank God regularly for your spouse. No matter what weakness he or she may have, there are always strengths that you can be thankful for. And you know that. Find those strengths and focus on them. Take time and actually thank God for those things regularly. This can make a difference. By the way, the more you give thanks, the more thankful you'll be. This is truly an amazing principle. You should try it. The more you give thanks to God, the more thankful you'll be. Notice I didn't say the more thankful you are, the more thankful you will be. Do you see the difference? I said the more you give thanks, the more thankful you'll be. 
Thankfulness is more of a feeling or a fruit, but you can actually sow to that fruit by choosing to give thanks. And who do we give thanks to? God. Thank God more often, and you will be thankful more often. Beyond thanking God for our physical families, though, as believers, we should thank God for our spiritual family. As mentioned, when we accept Christ into our lives, He becomes our brother. We're born again. We're born into a new family. Christ becomes our brother. God becomes our father. And we become the brother or sister of everyone else who is part of God's family. Thank God for spiritual community. And take note that your spiritual family is family forever. Jesus indicated that in the kingdom of heaven, temporal family connections will no longer, no longer have the meaning they have now. Up there. You know, that's what he meant when he said, we won't be married in that place. And it's what he meant when he said, who is my mother and brothers and sisters? And then he indicated that the spiritual family around him we're now as mother and brothers and sisters. Maybe we don't like that. I, I, I don't think anybody likes that. It's not, there are a lot of things Jesus said that people don't like. But it's very important to get the point, unless you want to live a lie, as if your physical family were eternal. I'm not necessarily saying you won't remember and have a special relationship in heaven because you were family on earth, but we still need to get it that in heaven, everyone is immediate family, and so keep in mind that your spiritual community here will be your community there. A family that lasts forever. I should warn myself and all of you that it is possible to make physical family an idol. We need to find the right balance. Sometimes we can err to one side or another. Jesus also criticized the Pharisees for neglecting their parents. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a balance. Regardless, 1 Timothy 3.15 tells us that God's family is the church. Let me repeat that. God's family is the church. Why do you need church? Because God designed you to live in community with God's family on earth. By the way, is your physical family perfect? No, of course not. And there's no perfect church family either. But the difference is we can't get out of our physical families, right? I mean, we, just, we have to work it out, right? We have to work it out. What do people do when they have problems in their church family? Just go to another one. Hopefully not. There's no perfect church, there's no perfect physical family, there's no perfect church family. People always are going to have conflict, always have disagreement, always going to have to work through things. But that's why we need each other. We're not perfect. We, we're a whole lot better together than apart. We meet each other's needs, we, we complete each other. We form something when we're a church family. You need a spiritual family. And someone in this family needs you. You know, people are always saying, oh, I don't need the church to be a Christian or whatever. Man, if I hear that one more time. <laughs> in the Northwest, I mean, it is a bigger thing out here, I think. There's this rugged individualism. I get it to a point. Um, and there's some reasons for that and everything. But sometimes I just what I say a lot of times to that, if you want something to say, because I'm preaching to the choir, right, or you wouldn't be here. But if you need something to say to those people that say that, you know, you could say this. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know whether you need the church really to be a good Christian or not, but I will tell you this, we need you. That's what I say. 
Colossians 3.15 says, Each one of you is part of the body of Christ, and you were chosen to live together in peace. When the church functions as a family, as a real community, and when time and commitment form deep and close relationships between you and a few other members of that family, that's when you'll find the reason to be thankful for spiritual community. We've existed for six years now as a church, counting the season before we launched public services. Certainly many have come and gone for various reasons, but I know that those who have stayed committed for a significant period of time would be glad to stand up here today and tell you how thankful they are for this spiritual community. You'll only get out what you put in, but the return on your investment when it comes to spiritual community is well worth the effort. I hope you can be thankful to God this year both for your physical family and for your spiritual family. So to review, we can thank God for creation, for creature comforts, for community. And let me think, is there anything else that starts with a letter C? Number four, thank God for Christ. I thought about using cross, but it's more than just the cross. There's the cross, there's, well, there's the birth, there's, there's his life, there's the cross, there's the resurrection, there's that he's coming again. There, let's be thankful for Christ. Thank God for Christ. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, thank God for his son, a gift too wonderful for words. Jesus Christ is simply the greatest gift that has ever been given. But have you ever given someone a gift Maybe a gift that costs you a lot, more than you usually spend, only to be disappointed by an apparent lack of gratitude from the person who received it. You find yourself wanting to tell the person how much it costs. I just went in there and it just said, give me the best one you have. You know, you want to tell the story. I could have got a cheaper one, you know. Or, you know, how long you spent making it if it's a craft or something. How you were trying so hard to... Go over and above to show love to that person. What a letdown when there's not even a meaningful thank you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave. Gave what? His only Son. Some people respond to that gift with the ultimate in ungratefulness. They reject it. Or they ignore it, which is just as bad. Others accept the gift but never really express their thanks to God for the new life they have in Him. Have you ever really thanked God for His indescribable gift? Has it been a while? If you are a person like me who believes that God has literally given everything for you by coming to earth in human form so that He could shed blood and die on a cross in order to pay the price and take the penalty and punishment for your sin so that you could experience true life on earth and have an eternal home in heaven a place in God's family for all eternity. If you really believe that, then there ought not be a day go by that you do not thank God from the bottom of your heart with overwhelmed thankfulness to God, saying, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your Son, for making a way for me to know you. If times are hard, and you can't bring yourself to be thankful for anything else in life at this given moment. And if you are a believer, then no matter what else you may face, you have more to thank God for in Christ 
than you could ever have time or words to express. In a moment, we're going to thank God for Christ through the ordinance of communion. But as I close, let me share one last thought, which is this. The opposite of giving thanks is complaining. The opposite of giving thanks, which is a verb, it's an action, is complaining. It's giving complaints. That's what complaining is. I personally believe that a combination of media and human nature have created a culture of complaining that may be worse currently than at any other time in human history. And I may be wrong on this, but if I had to single out a group of people who are the worst about complaining, it might just be Christians. You know? Now, you can disagree on that if you want, but regardless, we are definitely complaining more and more. Are we not? And sure, there's a lot to complain about. But is complaining a fruit of the Spirit? Is there a holiday for complaining? Maybe we should have a holiday for complaining, then, we, then, then be thankful for the rest of the year. Now, there's an idea. Maybe we could get it all out on one day, like we do with thankfulness. Let's switch it. Get it all out on one day and be done with the complaining. I could talk about all kinds of things that add to a culture of complaining, but let me just hit this from one angle. I mentioned that modern Christianity fosters a culture of complaining. I believe that's true. The Christianity of the Internet or we can just say large-scale Christianity, which, by the way, we really didn't used to have, for the record. You had your church. You didn't have all the ways of hearing, and you realize there's a point where that just wasn't there. Large-scale Christianity has become far more committed to giving complaints than giving thanks. You know that's true. Okay, so I doubt we can do much about the big picture. But what about our own church? What about our own local church? What about Go Church? Will we let our church be swallowed up into the same old culture of complaining that has become so prevalent in modern Christianity? I sure hope not. Remember this thought. People do not complain because they are miserable. People are miserable because they complain. And that may not be an absolute. It may not always be the case. But generally speaking, this is true. Psalm 77, 3 says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. That's kind of the way it goes. Complainers are always overwhelmed. They can always find more to complain about. That's why complaining is overwhelming. And before long, complaining will make you a person others don't want to be around, which leads to isolation, which always leads to more complaining. Lord, help me. <laughs> Help me stop complaining. I need to hear myself preaching today. Believe me, and I know that. The Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. I, don't, I want to know what God's will is for me. I just need to know God's will. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. 
in Christ Jesus. I truly believe that learning to regularly give thanks to God is one of the biggest keys to an abundant life. I really do. Thankful people are people you want to be around. This year, on this Thanksgiving week, ask yourself the hard question, do I complain more or thank God more? Do I mostly gripe or mostly thank? Where do my thoughts and my conversations typically go? Here's the good news. You don't have to stay as you are. And the more you discipline yourself to stop complaining and start thinking, the easier it will be. So what do you say? Are you ready to put some effort into this year's celebration of Thanksgiving? Could you make this week an experiment in expressing thanks to God? On the authority of Scripture, I promise that if you do, you'll be glad you did. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word, for the truths therein. The Bible is full of teaching on gratitude and thankfulness. And uh, Lord, today I hope you'd help somebody, myself for sure, and others to turn a corner. Lord, uh, as I think about this message that was mostly for believers, I'd, I also want to pray now for anyone that's made it into the room who doesn't really know you as Savior, who's never surrendered, who's never said, I'm not okay. God, I need the blood of Jesus to cover my sins, take my life. Uh, I pray for that person. This hasn't been a gospel really message. It hasn't had a lot of, of that in it. But Lord, you can do amazing things with a little bit. And so I pray for such a person that maybe you've already been working. If there's anyone here that just wants to surrender you today, I want to provide that opportunity. Maybe, maybe right now in somebody's heart, they could just say, I surrender. I surrender to Jesus. Take my life. I want to be yours. Help me. Change me. And have that moment of, of repentant faith through which you save us and come into our lives through the presence of your Holy Spirit. So many of us in this room have had that experience. I pray for those today that have not, um, that maybe even now, or even perhaps as we take this Lord's Supper together and these elements that remind us of the shed blood and the broken body, and the power of holding those things in our hands, that somebody might even in this moment, surrender and put their total and complete faith in Jesus for the salvation of their soul. There's nothing to be thankful for in the church like someone coming to Jesus. And we thank you, God. Thank you for the fruit that has happened over this last six years. I don't even, I haven't added it up. I don't remember how many professions of faith we've had, how many baptisms, not much less than a hundred, I would say. People who have said, I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ like I've never done before. Thank you for that fruit, God. And we pray for more. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.